Nebraska high school sports fans, welcome in to another episode of the Prep Zone Report. I'm Dylan Adams, back for another week with my co-hosts here, Mike Patterson and Stu Pospisil. How are you guys today? Good. Doing good, Dylan. We had a nice night at Preps, Creighton Prep Sports Night last night with Lee Trevino, and uh, you can uh, click on my column and uh, also get a short video interview with him and talking about the snake and Jack Nicholas and... Uh, <laughs> Kind of lamenting the, the loss of some of his former foes like Arnold Palmer. And Tom Weiskopf. Yeah, so that well too. that was during the, the speech. We mm-hmm. talked more about Arnie and Jack during the right the video interview. But nice night. Yeah. It was fun. Yep. He's got stories to tell, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean you can you can sit around for hours, listen to Lee. I mean, he that's said, that's he, said he, he could he was flying out at nine in the morning, he says, I can stay here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everybody people except would listen. Everybody except for maybe prep AD Dan Schinzel said, "Yeah, okay, let's stay." But Dan's he had like, to clean hey, up and get gym class going exactly. on Tuesday morning. Back to back to normal today. Yeah, no kidding. So, well, um, we can segue in here, I guess, a little bit to um, what was at the at the beginning of the season looked like the biggest game of the year, right? Omaha oh, West Side versus Bellevue West um, huddle. You know, they were there with their Game of the Week crew for their for the big broadcast online, and it turned out to be not much of a game at all, guys. Um, Mike, you were there if, if you want to kind of get into the route uh, right. of the T-Birds. Right. Uh, well, I've seen Westside twice this season. Uh, they really put the herd on prep, their first game, uh, Westside's first game, and they really did the same to Bellevue West on Friday night. Uh, the Warriors are just really that good this season, and they – jump on opponents they were ahead uh oh 24 to nothing on friday night and just kind of cruised home after that but yeah you mentioned the preseason number one and number two and everybody had pointed to it but when north beat bellevue west a couple weeks ago that kind of took a little bit of the luster off of it and then i think Stu ranked bellevue west eighth after that so but still bellevue west a good team they're always tough at home well coached and everything but uh and that West Side defense just smothered them in that first half, and and uh, you know the Warriors just took it home from there, and it started with uh, quarterback Anthony Rizak, responsible for five TDs. He threw for three, ran for two, including a 79-yard run. So, a great game, and Caleb Benning, another uh, real playmaker for West Side. Seems like he steps up every week. He had a touchdown catch and intercepted a pass, and. I could go on and on about all the great players they've got this season. So, uh, boy, Warriors are looking really strong right now. Mike, with the defense, was was it the line that was taking charge or was it the coverage? I think it was a combination of both. I mean, uh, the running game just wasn't really there. And, um, you know, Bellevue West always known for their passing game, but they couldn't really get that going either. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, mentioned to you after the game, Davon Hall got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that yeah. game, so that's another uh, boy tough blow for the for the T Birds. So now, Morris now, returns, and then and then Davon Hall is right. out, yeah. and could be for the year if that injury to the elbows that serious. Right. You know, they go to Carney this week. Carney's had Bellevue West number now for an, several years. That's not an easy game to get healthy. The Carney's sitting there at number six, three and zero. You know, Bellevue West could be looking at about a th- uh, three and four start. They they could be look because they have Gretna still on the schedule. Um, you know, they lost four games last year, counting the playoffs, and you know that's not quite the record. I'm sure Mike uh, Huffman down there expected, uh, but they're gonna have to step up in the lines from what I've 
saw the the two games I've covered them, and uh, they've got to get Danny Kalen connecting with his receivers, especially Isaiah McMorris, because he can stretch the field. Ben Goodwater, I think, was their top receiver. Mm-hmm. Caught at least one touchdown pass against Westside, right, but right. Uh, yeah, I right now. Hey, my number two stayed alive for another week. Yeah, so Millard guess, South. <laughs> we have that anyway going for us. Millard South was dominant again. Yeah, racked up six hundred fifty-five yards, forty-eight or forty-nine, nineteen against uh, Millard North. Maybe it was even higher. Yeah, I think they put a 50-burger. I think it was Maybe 54. 54. Yeah, yeah. It was wow. almost the highest total Millard North had ever given up. Wow. Millard yeah. South this week goes out to Gretna, number two, number three. I'm going to be there. Uh, you know, Gretna's this year going to probably want to try and slow down. Last year was Zane Floors. They would out, try and outscore anybody along with a good defense. But, you know, I think this one has to kind of stay in the, the 20s for, for Gretna. It looks like. And the Dragons really escaped against <laughs> yes. uh, Prep last week. So, yeah. you know, and they're always tough at home. So we'll see what Gretna has this week. Is that where we want to head now? Yeah, I mean, that was the calm over the weekend. You know, the, the referees, in your opinion, Stu, got, got it right. I mean, there was in, a... In the, in the Gretna Prep game, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those unaware, unknowing, Gretna and Prep were in double overtime. Uh, Gretna had a... Field goal kick blocked after Prep had thrown an interception. So it was the second, the half inning of of Gretna. The ball is loose, and the whistle clearly sounds two or three times. So that's, but the ball's still loose, so it's considered an inadvertent whistle. Right. Gretna's kicker, Cam Bothwell, picks the ball up finally and goes out of bounds. But that's immaterial at that point because of the inadvertent whistle. Gretna gets to replay the down because it goes to the previous uh, spot with possession. Uh, Bothwell does, or Prep can't get the block this time, and they had blocked uh, two extra points the week before, so nothing was going to be guaranteed by the right. by the kicking game. Yeah. But Bothwell knocks it through, and Gretna wins 27-24, and Prep Nation kind of was going, you know, what's going on here? Tim Young handled it well, um, Prep's coach. Unfortunately. Inadvertent whistles are unfortunate on any level. The rules apply to all levels with inadvertent whistles. And, you know, so the um, the refs got right there. We had a situation a little further south on Friday night. Conestoga played Freeman. Conestoga, first of all, actually Conestoga had three chances at a field goal. First one, it was a kind of a a fire drill type thing where they had to move the ball up. They're playing on a eight-man, uh, 11-man field. So the okay. goalpost, they had to move the ball, advance to get the right distance. That caused some confusion with Conestoga didn't have any timeouts. Uh, field goal was stopped because of a false start penalty. Move five yards back. This time it gets blocked by Freeman. Freeman kid picks up the ball beyond the line of scrimmage and starts jogging towards the team that's celebrating on the field. Well... He's still eligible to run that back. You know, time time is expiring, but the ball's still in play. He gets to the towards his teammates and lobs the ball back towards the official, thinking that the game's over. Well, the official doesn't touch the ball because at that point, there's still there's not been a whistle. 
So the ball rolls dead in front of the Conestoga bench. The Conestoga coaches frantically point to the ball, tell their players, somebody get it and run to the end zone. And they get to the end zone. The officials huddle. One says touchdown, one says ball's dead. So they order a re-kick. Okay. And this one just barely misses, so we don't have overtime down there. Freeman escapes. And Conestoga falls to and three, and then Mike had an inadvertent whistle in his West Side game. <laughs> right, um, didn't really affect the game because uh, West Side was that far ahead. But uh, you know, Stu and I have talked at length about what happened in that Prep Gretna game, and by the letter of the law and the National uh, Federation, the refs did get it right. But uh, boy, I, I really hate to see that whistle wreck that play because what was important was the blocking of the kick and yes the ball was still alive but uh yeah i can see where prep nation would be very unhappy about that so i guess bottom line and we talked about inadvertent whistles um i think maybe the nsaa's nate newhouse who's in charge of the officials kind of needs to emphasize hey let's just let the play play out and let's not blow the whistle early, kind of like they're doing in the NFL now. And then they kind of, granted, they have replay in the NFL, but still, I mean, there were two or three instances this weekend where those inadvertent whistles really did have an impact on games. Just well, a, yeah, it's, it was a wild finish to that game, too, and it's unfortunate that it came down to that as the final play. Well, setting up that mm, final play anyway. Right. Um, because, yeah, the, the ball had traded uh, – you know, back and forth, they traded possessions there at the end of regulation. I think it went um, Gretna giving the interception and then Prep giving it right back, and and then ended up going to overtime anyway at twenty four twenty four. These guys are still making relative pittance. Yes, you know it's not <laughs> it college level where they're getting several thousand. It's not pros where you know it's it's a halftime job for for guys like uh, Cleet Blakeman and and uh, you know people and that have jobs but they're working half time for the nfl i mean those are where you expect to have the greatest accuracy with with their calls and high schools you know we had the the call on bennington and scott did break the plane did not play break the plane they don't have instant replay and you also have the not in that case but there are rules specific to high schools that don't apply to high or to college and pros so even sometimes the officials, I feel, get mixed up because mm-hmm. I had a situation, Bainton, good defensive win over York, two-point play. Uh, Bainton intercepts the two-point pass. The officials let the ball go to midfield. On a two-point play, the defense cannot score in high school mm-hmm. or on a blocked extra point. There's mm-hmm. no defensive scores. So, you right. know, again, it you got three sets of rules, and <laughs> yeah. you have to kind of remember what setting you're in. Yes. Makes sense. So, I mean, that's that was kind of the topic of conversation, like I said, over the weekend with uh, with these whistles. But if we want to get into some more ratings talk here, um, you know, Stu, you had Bill West and Prep still in, um, you know, because those are some close losses that, that close Prep has losses. had. Um, and, you know, with um, Papio losing to uh, uh, 0-2, probably better than 0-2, Lincoln Southeast, Papio drops out. I put Lincoln East in because they had beaten Southeast in double overtime the week before. So that the East is in, Papio's out. Most of the top ten stay the same. As before mentioned, Millard South is going to Gretna this week. Prep goes to Millard West, uh, which is number four. Number five, Omaha North, uh, 
host uh, Omaha Benson, which did score last week. Uh, <laughs> so they're off the snide. Yep. Now it's uh, Omaha Northwest that needs to, to score. And they go to an undefeated South Sioux City team that um, obviously doesn't have a quality win yet. Right. But, uh, you know, hats off to the Cardinals for getting, I think, more wins than they did last year already. Yeah. Class B, it's Bainton and Elkhorn North still at the top. They won't meet until October. Uh, Boone Central uh, leads C1. Wahoo had a good win um, last week over Ashland Greenwood. Uh, so Roncalli Pierce is number three versus number six. In C2, Norfolk Catholic and Battle Creek are steaming ahead to their, I believe it's September 29th meeting in uh, Battle Creek. Probably will have to be up there for that one if possible. North Platte St. Pat's leads eight man one. South Loop in eight man two with why not uh, solid win over Howells Dodge, which uh, why not went up to two and Howells Dodge dropped to six. And Arthur County, new number one in six man after uh, Sumner Eddieville Miller avenged last uh, year's finals loss to Lincoln Parkview big time, 54 to six. So that's uh, some, some major changes in the ratings last week. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. So, no, and then uh, now we got the Breakout Baller Award of the Week. Um, I, I didn't talk to you guys before the show about this. I'm thinking Kenyon Cotton of, of Westside. He had those two those two touchdown runs, uh, and they were really impressive, too. I mean, he kind of juked out the, the Bell West defenders on one of them and, and left them in the dust on the other using his speed. He only has an Iowa State offer. I think he's definitely going to have some more on the way. I think that was his best game so far with the Warriors. He's been oft injured both at Papio where he started as a freshman and then last year with um, with Westside. So if he stays healthy and continues to do this, you know, his his pedigree is so good with Daddy being, Curtis Cotton being an ex-Husker and, you know, uh, Kenyon and Kenzo being uh, college-level sprinters. Um, Kenyon looks like he's the, the football brother and... Yeah, I would think that there's going to be more with his speed and, you know, maybe down the road they're looking at him because they, Nebraska's staff purports to uh, love football players with trackster speed. So yeah, that's what said, certainly yeah. in that category. Yeah, definitely. That so. was uh, two of Rezac's three uh, TD passes. One was for 40 yards and one was for 17 yards. And like I said, he's got a lot of speed. Only a junior. Yep. yep. He's usually back there with uh, Caleb Benning. That's two really dangerous punt returners, <laughs> kickoff yeah. returners, whatever. And, uh, again, a couple more weapons for the west side as if they need them. Yeah, they have playmakers all over the field. There's no doubt about that. I Agreed. mean, you know, the line of scrimmage, too, they kind of dominate that on mm-hmm. both sides as well. So it, definitely an impressive team to watch. Um, you know, what would it take to beat Paul Lamonji's squad this year? I mean, like, <laughs> it'd be a free four- going down quarterback, well, I think, would, would even it out a little bit. You certainly hope that doesn't happen because he's a no. tremendous playmaker. Or complacency. I mean, they did go out to North Platte last year, triple option. And lost out there. They're going to have to play North Platte here. But I think knowing what North Platte does, and North Platte maybe doesn't have a Vince Janitone or a Vince Tilford as they had the past couple years, um, I, I, th- I think uh, Westside will be more than ready for North Platte. Now, they got to go out to Kearney, and if mm-hmm. Kearney beats Bellevue West, you know, going on the road, for some reason, Metro teams, I don't, I don't care who it is, 
leaving town sometimes, well, Papio against Southeast. So, yeah, yeah. You know, leaving the friendly confines of the metro area can play tricks on teams. Right. I'm interested to see what Millard South can do against them because their defensive effort against Elkhorn South a couple weeks ago was just smothering. And to beat Westside, I think it's going to have to be a real defensive battle, low scoring. And, uh, yeah, and you can't let Westside get off to a. Seven nothing, fourteen, twenty one. Which opponent? Millard South. No, Millard South. South. Yeah, that's coming oh, up second that. to last week. I see week. that one going. I, I see that one being a score fest with yeah. with the speed on both teams. Yeah, could and be. Was that October thirteenth? I yeah. believe second yeah. to last week of the season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that game goes. I mean, they both have good defenses. They both have good offenses, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's one to definitely circle on the calendar, <laughs> well, fans. I think, I think Scott and, uh, or excuse me, Bainton and Elkhorn Norse that night, too. So Wow, yeah. You, you may have to arm wrestle me. Or, we're going to play <laughs> golf. I know I can beat you. <laughs> How many <You> aces? Think... <laughs> <laughs> Mike's always one, got one, that. One time that's right. that's right. Got my, that in my back my, pocket. My, my 30 at uh, Maple Village slash Warren Schweiger is more impressive. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that, volleyball. Th- that's how it always goes. The final thought on football. That's how it always goes. Sometimes there's, you know, maybe not a great game on Friday night. And then on that night, there's two great games two or awesome maybe ones, even more. Yeah. Who knows? So that's just the way the schedule goes. So, yeah, exactly. let's touch on volleyball. Okay, yeah, a let's bit, get to Dylan. it. Yes, the big mover this week was Millard West. They had a really good week. They beat Papio, ranked team in Class A. And uh, they went out to the Kearney Invitational, which is a, really came up tough this year. And they beat uh, three of the best teams in Class B and handed Bennington their first loss. They beat Elkhorn North, which has been really good. I think they beat Waverly out there, wow. too. Big weekend. So yeah. big, uh, big week for uh, Coach Joe Wessel and his squad. But uh, we'll start with the overall top ten. Papio sure. South remains unbeaten. They're 12-0 and and, uh, yeah, rolling right along. And uh, number two is Omaha Scott. They lost a couple matches this weekend, but past weekend. But uh, where was that at? The, that was down in Kansas Road. City. Uh-huh. Okay. So Coach Renee Saunders loves to take her team to Florida, Chicago, Kansas City, and and get that really tough, uh, toughen them up yeah. for later on. So yeah, the record isn't all that impressive, nine and six. But uh, Papio South is ranked seventh this week nationally. And uh, Scott, I think, is ranked 11th. So, oh, wow. yeah, got to put an asterisk by that 9-6 and six record. Definitely. Uh, number three is Lake and Southwest. They haven't lost yet. Number four is Millard West. They jumped all the way up from number nine. Number five is Bennington. As we said, they suffered their first loss. Uh, Elkhorn North is six. Lincoln East, seven. Papio, eight. Westside, nine. Gretna is 10. And our number one teams in all the classes, Papio South in A, Scott in B, Grand Island Central Catholic, Sharon Zavala's team uh, in C1, Lincoln Lutheran, riding a 50-plus match uh, win streak, uh, number one in C2. Amherst is the new number one in D1. They defeated our previous number one, SEM. And uh, Overton is still number one in D2. And I just wanted to say that uh, big tournament this weekend course they'll be going on down in Lincoln when uh, a little before the Nebraska home opener football wise but uh, (laughs) yeah the Lincoln Public Schools Invitational at at Lincoln Southeast um, Friday and Saturday and that usually draws pretty much all the top teams so 
one to definitely watch this weekend, and uh, we'll see what impact it has on the ratings next week. Absolutely. So thank you for that, Mike, and I think that will do it for this week. Thanks, guys, again for joining me, and we'll be back to discuss uh, the end of week four. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. 